you okay? No. I'm very afraid. But you and I both know, don't we, Rose? The Doctor is worth the monsters. Welcome to Into the Time Vortex podcast. We're talking about Doctor Who, and we're doing something a little bit different over the next few weeks. We're going to be doing, uh, the three of us, we're going to be doing our best and worst episodes. <laughs> uh, some of these actually have already been reviewed, but we're going to pick out the ones that are left, or in this case, we're going to start with one that we've done a long time ago. But uh, anyways, my name is Ken. Jeff. Julia. And... Uh, 13. Mm-hmm. So, way back in episode 13 of our podcast, we did The Girl in the Fireplace. Um, but uh, that is uh, Julia's favorite, so she's going to kick us off with a. Well, one of my favorites. Yeah, one of your favorites. So, um, the Doctor and Rose and Mickey um, land on a spaceship in the 51st century, only to find time portal windows through to 18th century Versailles in Paris. Uh, They meet a little girl through one of these time portals in the fireplace. And she turns out to be Madame de Pompadour, the mistress of Louis the whatever, whatever he was. One of the Louis. Mm -hmm. And they've trying to figure out why there's no crew left on this spaceship. Okay. It was written by Stephen Moffat. Yes, so already Stephen Moffat, I think, at least for me, was the shining moment in the previous season with Empty Child. I mean, there was a couple from the first season that I thought were really good, and that was one of them. So I think the expectation was that he would deliver again, and... um, he did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is one of my favorites because <clears throat> I, you know, I think everybody on it does a good job and does it the storyline is great. The it's sad, but it's it's really well done. And it's creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um one of the things you got to realize when you watch classic Doctor Who for so many years and then this new show comes up, one of the things that was so jarring for us was the emotion. Because in the past they had emotional episodes, but they were like, oh, somebody died, okay, uh-huh, and then they go on. They don't dwell on it. They don't, they don't, there's no continuity when it comes to emotion. And they don't focus on characters as much in the classic series, believe it or not. <laughs> um, but... And this one, this is one of those episodes that's, with the music going and everything, it's just like a, it's a, like a love story, basically, kind of, and, you know, it was kind of like, like Father's Day was like that, too, and I'm like, wait a minute, what? This isn't really what I want, I signed up for, for Doctor Who, but I can't say that Father's Day, you know, Father's Day was excellent, so this is the same thing, this is an excellent episode. Yeah, and the the clockwork men who are put together by the by the ship, I guess. Never really explained how those clockwork men came to be, but I always thought they were the the robots to help the crew. Uh, they were a little too steampunky, I think, to be robots to help the crew. I thought they just sort of cobbled it together from from the ship, and 
and it, because they had used all the parts of the crew to power the ship. Mm-hmm. And so you think the ship made the robots to repair itself? Yeah, I do. I never thought of that. I always thought they were always there. Maybe they were. I mean, they ne- it's never made clear. You know? The technology doesn't seem to match the rest of the ship, but um, this is one of those things because Stephen Moffat, one of these, this is a perfect Stephen Moffat episode because in that opening teaser going into the start credits, after it's over, before we get into the start credits, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would someone be talking into a fireplace saying, you know, what she's saying? It, it, it None of that makes any sense. How are you going to, Stephen Moffat, how are you going to bring us from the beginning of this episode to that point? Because we know it's kind of like a flash forward. And, and is it going to make any sense or is it going to be Russell T. Davis together? But it does because then we follow the story yeah. until we get that, to that point. And he always does that. He always brings us, he delivers stuff that the empty child didn't make any sense because it's like, well, wait a minute now. It's, that's not a gas mask, and, and and you know, and then Blink was was the same way. You know, she rips the thing, and it has a message from. It doesn't make any sense, but Moffat puts it puts it all together by the end. Um, and he had that ability up until he became pro- producer, and then he lost it. <laughs> that's another story. Yeah. Um, but I love how, and you mentioned that each. You were talking like the actors, the, mm-hmm. the three companions are like really good in this. Rose isn't annoying. Nope. Um, she is, you know, she continues to get worse and worse as the season goes along. She, I guess this was filmed before or after, before the, some other ones, I think it was earlier, it was supposed to be earlier in the season, but she has no like problems with Mickey in this episode. Mm-hmm. But in other episodes, she's always like, oh, you know, what, you know, kind of like really not liking him. But she also is not super jealous of the doctor, which is something that easily could have happened if Russell T. If um, yeah, you're right. If Russell T. Davis wrote this. Wrote it, it would have been. Done. She would have been like, oh, uh, 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 like, like, and later on, we saw Martha was jealous a little bit of, uh, and it's like that would have brought the whole thing down. Rose was the character was written in such a way that she. She knew not to say anything. There were moments where she kind of just was quiet, and she actually had a conversation with um, was it Renette? Renette. And it wasn't like, you know, I'm with the doctor. You just buzz off. You know, it just was. It was you know adult, and it was it avoided all the stuff that I can't stand, and they totally ignored it, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is um, like thank you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I <clears throat> that's what I meant when I was saying that uh, you know, I thought I don't find Rose as annoying as you guys do, but I I get why a lot of people do. Um but she was fairly mature in this and and not as sarcastic and and you know, chavvy as she can usually be. She can really be you know, yeah, she can. You can tell she's from a council estate yeah. <laughs> in London. Yeah, she she just. Um, I, I mean, there's other things that she does where she kind of shows off and and you know, like you know, while well, she did it in school reunion with a bit where she was kind of jealous of of mm-hmm. Sarah Jane and she was just 
and, and that it was a humorous banter back and forth and they she grew out of it but it was kind of funny to begin with but then it started getting really annoying and it's like come on but in this one she just totally knew to shut up about it because she knew yeah, and, and maybe, you know, I read a thing where it said, oh, it was really interesting to see Rose's reaction to this developing love relationship, maybe, between the doctor and Renette. I don't know if it was really that, but, you know, she wasn't making the faces of, like, you know, come on, doctor, let's just go. You, you know, she was, mm -hmm. you know, they really avoided all that, which was so mature of them. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder, I mean, is, 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 it, is it the writer? Because you know, did Russell T. Davis write Rose to be this annoying, jealous girl? Or was she like that in other episodes written by other people? Because, I mean, you I know, think it was mainly Ru Russell's stories, wasn't it? You, you do have to have some continuity with the characters. Well, no, he didn't write School Reunion, but that was the perfect example of new companion opening yeah, and jealousy, that, so that... That seemed to work, but um, Boomtown was one where she was, like, really jealous kind of like you know mickey you're not part of the group or whatever and who wrote that was that russell t that was russell t yeah. okay so <laughs> yeah so maybe it was him <clears throat> well but um yeah um another thing that was perfect and I, I think this is one of the things that sort of sets up other episodes for this new show is Right off the bat, like, you know, there's the clock ticking, and it's like, well, the clock's broken, so where's the ticking coming from? And then the whole bed scene where the girl is in the middle of the bed, and he looks down, and he's like, oh, and he, we don't see what he's seeing, but we see hair there, and mm -hmm. we're like, what the, you know, and you're starting to get the creepy factor, and then it moves, and he gets back up again, and th that is really creepy. Under the bed that, that they, Moffat does this, he finds something that scares people. And he, you know, he, he utilizes it in his script. Yeah, She's that, not ready. <laughs> that was really effective to, to, you know, I mean, the monster under the bed is just classic. Yeah. Scare thing. And they've used it other times in Doctor Who to varying effects. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> um, the hand of the... Yeah. Well, it's, if it's not the clockwork men, maybe it's Clara. <laughs> Uh, the clockwork men obviously were scary looking. They were very easy to disable, just pour something on them or whatever. Uh, was it wine or? It was something? oil. Oil, yeah. Um, yeah, they could, they could fix themselves pretty quickly. Yeah. I thought they were kind of the neatest looking creatures mm -hmm. of the new series. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they, were, they were cool looking, but they were definitely kind of creepy. You know. I like how the doctor takes the mask off one of them and, and admires the, the works workings in it and stuff like that. He doesn't like, you know, which is something that was one of those things that the doctor likes. He all, In the middle of everything, he might admire something, even though there, there's, like, danger or whatever. He just sort of, you know, even the latest doctor did that a um, couple of times in her season. They've sort of gone with that throughout the series and from the classic as well. Um, Apparently, the woman who played Renette was David Tennant's girlfriend at the time. Yeah, they started dating <coughs> Sophie, Sophie, uh, Sophia Miles. Miles yeah. Although I think there's another pronunciation, but I don't. I don't. This, that's, I think Sophia Miles is fine. Um, 
I thought she was amazing. I thought she was a really good, you know, she's a really good actress, and I thought she did really good with this character. Mm -hmm. It wasn't someone that was, you know, she was, they, they had a relationship right away. She was taken with the doctor, and the doctor was taken with her, and they have this almost flirtation relationship, but not like, ho, 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 you know, like the later episodes where they would be like, Come on, doctor, let's go. You know, it was very adult and mature. Again, I hate to keep mentioning those, but it wasn't like all the other, you know, I always complain about other... Um, in the future, we see almost every villain or, or female that meets up with the doctor is kind of falling in love with him and chasing him around and winking and stuff, and she doesn't do any of that. She's, um, you know, a realistic character, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and I, you know, I don't know that much about French history and how realistic of, of a portrayal that was of her. So, I don't know what well, was, she was actually yeah, like. There was that matter of fact that, like, the way it was, was like, oh, I, I'm the king's uh, mistress and we, I talk with the queen all the time or whatever. It's, it's kind of like, this, that's the way it was back then or whatever. Yeah. It's something that Rose is kind of like, ooh, what's up with that? That's kind of weird. I think that was a pretty accepted thing for yeah. in in most royal families, not just the French. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, the English royal families have had that, too. Mm -hmm. Where there's the... Although the French tend to make it, like, official. <laughs> <laughs> um, the story is full of all kinds of surprises. I like how the doctor goes... There's nothing on this ship that's going to surprise me. He turns in the corner and there's it's a, a horse. horse. <laughs> yeah. And as a viewer, when you first watch that, you're like, I'm sorry, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm in Russell T. Davis mode, so I'm watching this going, there it is. There's the horse that's there. And, and, but Moffat, you know, it's, there's an easy explanation for it. And it's like, oh, not only is that a good explanation, it's an easy one, too. Whereas Russell T. Davis wouldn't have an explanation. Or later on, you know, a dinosaur on the... Thames River, and you know, what's the big X? Who cares? Just do it, you know. <laughs> but I like the line where Earl says, You're not keeping a horse, are you? And he goes, I let you keep Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> um, it did have some funny little asides like that. Yeah. That were, that were I remember when I first watched it when he comes in kind of acting drunk and talking to the Mickey and. Um, Rose, I, I remember not liking that moment because I felt like that was the comedy from the show coming back into it again. But I, it was obviously a ruse, and it was, you know, looking back at it now or since, it's like, oh, well, it's almost like this episode really doesn't have anything horribly bad in it. I do have one little note, but other than that, it's, you know, everything sort of makes sense and emotionally and character-wise makes sense. It's not something out of character for anyone. I did. I did like when he told to Rose that he had been a dad at one point, and it was sort of a throwaway line. And he changed the subject pretty quickly, and she just sort of got mm. this like look on her face, and like she wanted to ask him, but she wasn't going to ask him because it was obviously something that bothered yeah. him. They were on the spaceship. Yeah, I don't remember that moment, but oh, that um, might have been in a different episode. Never mind. Get to something else. Yeah, well, um, I thought the whole relationship between the three companions, they're, they're the three characters, they're not together all the time, and um, 
I thought one of my favorite moments was was the conversation between Rose and and Renette. Um, I had almost forgotten about that. You know, I was like, oh, it's just a doctor over there, and they never really interact, but they did. She came to the ship one time, and her reactions were normal, too. I mean, you see a lot of characters like Cleopatra, whether Cleopatra or someone in the dinosaur, in the, where they just, they're from the past, and they come in, and they're sitting with guns going, yeah! And, but you're from the past. You should you should be going, oh! you know, and, and, yeah. and but they're not. And But in this one, she is. She's, she comes and says... Instead of saying, wow, this is amazing, can I travel with you? She's like, I don't want any part of this, initially. Right. Um, and it's realistic. It's like, how can you, well, obviously a ship made up of dead bodies, I guess, is something that she wouldn't want to be part of. Did she of. say something like, your world frightens me or something like that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, they, she did a really good job. I, I'm surprised that that woman hasn't been in more things. I looked her up, and she's not been in. I mean, she hasn't been in anything like huge. Yeah, no, she, she's. Um, you know, she was in um, a couple of the. Uh, well, she was in one underworld movie, um, and she's been in a lot of like um, dramas, British dramas that I would never have watched. But um, she was but also. I watch that kind of stuff all the time, and I don't recall yeah. seeing her in anything. She. Um, she was in Transformers, Age of Instinct, Extinction, which I never saw. She was Spooks, too. I forgot about that. She was Towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't finish watching that. Um, she also, um, there's a couple of Jerry Anderson connections. I always have to throw these in. She was um, in the, um, there was a Thunderbirds movie in 2004, live action. She was Lady Penelope, which I thought was perfect casting. She was the best part of that movie. Um, and she also plays, does she do Big Finish? I'm not sure. I think she does because there's a picture of her with um, um, Katie Manning or something or someone, and I'm like, it's got to be a big finish. She also does the voice of, uh, I don't know, yeah, in the Firestorm um, Jamie Anderson pro project that just got finished. Um, but anyways, good actress, good part, but just, you know, unlike some of them, like in Blink, What's-Her-Name went on and... And nominated, and all that. got nominated in all kinds of awards and stuff, and made it pretty big. She, she, you're right. She didn't go any further yet. She's in a new TV series called Discovery of Witches, hmm. which I, I started to read that book, but I never got into it. Apparently, she was in an episode of Outlander. Um, I. I they mentioned the slow way of traveling, which I totally forgotten got its origin really from this episode because Moffat used it later on in Blink, where they were like the long way of traveling, like uh, you know, and it was used a couple of times in this to really good extent. Where when I forgot about the doctor got cat basically got stranded and said, "Well, I'll, I guess I'm going to have to be traveling the slow way with you." And mm -hmm. Renee was like, you know, all for that and everything. And he was accepting of it until he re figured out a way right. to get out. And I love that moment, that moment where... He clicks he clicks on the fireplace and starts to leave. Yeah, he says, I'll be back in a second. She goes, no. He has, and he has that look. That that moment of like, uh-oh. And just it's just such a, a big moment. Um, yeah. It, and then he goes back and she's dead. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you know, did she he forget that if as if he's only in the other place for a minute or so, she's aged like. But she had didn't rem she remembered that, so she was like, "No, no, where are you going?" But too late. I do have one thing to say is, you know, he reads the note. Why couldn't you just travel back in time to TARDIS and... And gotten her. Yeah. Fixed point, maybe. Fixed point in time. Yeah. We've interfered too much with history. Yeah, I, I guess. At the time, though, I don't think they even had <laughs> used fixed point in time, maybe. I don't even know if that had originated yet. Not sure. Yeah, but... Um, but it's just something that I think you and I don't remember thinking about that going watching the episode going wow just go back to the tournament but I think it's something you, you watch you know watch it a couple of times you go wait a minute you know but then it wouldn't be that good it would be like well yeah it wouldn't be emotional the way it was and I, that final scene was really good when Mickey just sort of grabbed Rose's arm and was like just let's go show me, show me the rest of the ship yeah because he knew that something was up yeah yeah, really good stuff there. Really, there's a lot of quietness. The companions are not going. Duh, 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 duh. What's wrong? You know, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. they, they just you know, and the music throughout is just you know. I've it's not overbearing. I've criticized Murray Gold, but this is one of his best music things throughout the whole episode. There's no silly music or anything. Um, and then this is an early example of not an early, but there's. Russell T. Davis wants everyone to know that the doctor is, everyone loves the doctor, and he gets really bad when everyone's praying for the doctor in the that episode with the master, and, and, he, and he always brings the doctor up on a pedestal, and the doctor has angels helping him in one of the Christmas specials, and it just got really bad, and this is an early example of that, where she goes, Reneko's the doctor is worth the monsters, this is sort of that, that earliest stage, and at the time it didn't bother me at all. I was like, oh, uh, but then they started, he started dwelling on that, you know, like, you know, oh, it's all worth it all because you're with the doctor, the doctor, oh, you know. Mm -hmm. But it was an early example of that, but it was just under the surface, and it wasn't that bad. And then he shows up on the horse, crashing through the mirror. <laughs> The CGI on that was pretty good. Yeah, I guess the horse couldn't be in the room that they were shooting in, so they had to do that. And um, did they actually shoot it at Versailles? No, no. it was some um, like really ex rich, expensive house in in England somewhere. Oh. We mentioned that moment where he goes into the fireplace and she goes no, but earlier. They, they're talking about the slow path, and Renee, Renette, gives up the doctor. She she can't she can't she basically says, by the way, I have the fireplace. Knowing, I think she knew that there's a possibility that he could leave that way. So I think in a way, it's kind of like, even though you're with me, and that's exactly what I want, I can't help but tell you that there might be a way for you to go back to what you were doing. Mm -hmm. And that's sad as well because. You know, it's her making the decision to, you know, she's not being selfish or anything, you know. <coughs> well, she had seen into his brain and knew what he did and yeah. knew that. Yeah, that he probably belonged somewhere else. Yeah. Whatever. This, um, 
I hate to say this because I know it, it's not true, but as I'm watching this again, it's definitely reminded me of Vincent and the Doctor. The ending is kind of similar where you're you're with someone throughout the whole episode, and then you find out that doesn't matter what happens, they died, you know, tragically mm -hmm. or, or at an early age or whatever. And you know, obviously Vincent was a lot later, but I don't remember Vincent reminding me of Girl in the Fireplace, but Girl in the Fireplace reminded me of that um, same emotion. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So, um, I never picked up on the fact that these are the same clockwork robots from Deep Breath, but everywhere I was reading, they're like, yeah, they're the same ones, and I'm like, okay, did we, I, you know, I never picked up that, that. You didn't? No. Are they exactly the same when they, did they take the heads off? And they're not exactly, exactly the same, but they're similar. Yeah. They did the same thing. Which one, wait, which one was Deep Breath? Oh, they did. They Capaldi's were Capaldi's first story. Deep Breath, when they were in the oh. restaurant, they were all... <laughs> and when they were getting body parts, right? Yeah. yeah. So I guess that makes sense, but I never put two and two together until I read it and said, is that some sort of fan? They're in the restaurant. You remember that one? They're in the restaurant, yeah. and they kind of like... You can hear like... Or whatever. <laughs> Okay, so this episode, um, anything else about this, the plot structure or anything? I got a lot, a few background stuff here. No, not really. No. Um, it was nominated for a Hugo Award in one 2007, which made me feel good because Russell T. Davis was getting no awards, even though a lot of his stuff was nominated, but other people were, Moffitt, namely. Mm -hmm. So... Russell T. Davis would, would put like two or three stories in and Moffat would put one in and that would win. And then Russell T. Davis the following year would put two or three stories in and Moffat put one in and win. And it's like, there you go, Ma um, Russell T. Davis, you suck. <laughs> Didn't Russell win one? He did eventually. He went uh, toward the end. He, he won one. I don't remember what it was for. It was probably one that he didn't deserve. <laughs> or it was one that Moffat must have been not doing something that year. Um, it was inspired by the novel Time Traveler's Wife. Um, really? I guess. Sophia's dress was. <laughs> this is really stupid. This is very useful information, by the way. Was a was. I don't remember. It was after or before. It must have been before because it was. It was a good dress. It was made for Madness of King George, and Helen Mirren wore it. Oh. So. That movie came out in the 90s, though. They don't ever throw anything yeah. away. Yeah. I wish that was the case. We'd have all the old Doctor Who's. Well, not costumes. They don't throw costumes yeah. away. Or sets. Um, one of the th things I liked a lot about this was... We still don't. The doctor leaves us. We may never know about why the robots were targeting her for her brain. Well, we do. No, but the doctor doesn't. Know. No, the doctor. And the doctor know. never found out. But the fact is, we're leaving, and I'm looking at the time when I first watched this episode, and I go, I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, we don't know. That's kind of interesting." And then we find out as a viewer, but not the doctor. And I like that a lot. And I like how it. There was one thing at the end that was like. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, now it does. Mm -hmm. To a degree. I mean, it's still kind of a jump in logic. To go, well, the ship's named this. Uh, so let's go after the one. That well, I think that was the only connection they could make. 
those robot yeah. things was the only connection they could make. She must be what they need to fix themselves. Yeah. Some, it's like a logic, a robot logic that... Right. Yeah. But I like that because, you know... At that point, I was like, "Uh-oh! Did Moffat screw up? Did he? Did he? He left a couple things, you know." And then, "No, no, he didn't. He, he cleaned it all up." Okay, well, <laughs> just like he cleaned up Empty Child, and you know, by the time he got to the end, it was all a perfect story in terms of you know. And he continued to do that for a while until he became showrunner. Oh, and then, <laughs> then it just went fell away. apart. Yep. So, really good episode. I've seen this a number of times. Um, I think it's the. It's one of my favorites, and and I and I think it's a great episode to show people to introduce them to Doctor Who. You know, this and Blink and Vincent and the Doctor yeah. are the three episodes that I say you can watch these and not really know anything about the show or the character and get a decent feel for what happens. The only th thing I say about that is. Like Blink, for example, doesn't have the Doctor in it, so I don't know if that's a really good part of it. Yeah. When you start, you know, when you show someone the best, then it goes downhill from mm -hmm. there. But uh, it's like not, you know. But again, there's so many really good episodes. I don't think it's hard to pick out the best because I have in my head maybe 20 that are kind of like always fighting for top spot, and um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Girl in the Fireplace is right up there. It's like I said, I think it, one of those episodes where I was like, that's not like classic Who, and part of me was like, eh, like Father's Day, kind of saying, well, you know, but it's like, well, you, you have to accept it. It's what it is. And I mean, they're two completely different shows. The style of the show is completely different now yeah. than it was then. I mean, you, you basically have to con think about it as two separate shows. They yeah. just happen to have the same character. Yeah. Well, I know, but, but I mean, Russell T. Davis focuses on characters, and this was a character study, and it's a good one. Uh, and the story, this is Moffat, but the story is a science fiction story that can be Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. It's really well done. It's not about characters where, a, well, we're going to be talking about another one that we're focusing on characters and the story is garbage. It, it, you know, Russell Davis, I'll, I'll attempt to do what Moffat does. And <laughs> but, but Russell Davis is better with characters. That's why when you look at this episode, I thought the characters in this were really good. But then that's Moffat. Maybe Russell Davis had some influence, but I think he let Moffat go with this one. Mm -hmm. And now you try to figure out why the characters in the Moffat era weren't as good. And it's like, well, well, this one's pretty good. I mean, but they weren't his, so maybe somehow he just only had one episode to, to corrupt them and whatever. <laughs> so, really good one. Anything more about this one? Nope. Nothing to add, Jeff? Anything very bad? No, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening.